All right, ladies, welcome. So as uh, we come together on Fridays, our custom is to study the Parashat Shavua. Today is no exception. The Parashat is called Parashat Pinehas. It also coincides with the, uh, the beginning of the three weeks, the famed three weeks, which we call Ben HaMetzarim. Obviously, nobody looks forward for them. But they come inevitably, and hopefully this will be the last year of the three weeks, and next year we'll be able to have three weeks of, uh, of parties and simahod, and these three weeks can be behind us. Nonetheless, usually parashat pinehas is the first parashah of the three-week uh, period. And our rabbis tell us that for good reason. There you go. Thank you very much, and I appreciate it. Sorry to bother you. Okay. How about a cappuccino? Any cappuccino? Beracha, ladies. Baruch atah Adonai, Lohanim Adonai, Shakol Nambaruch. So anyway, the uh, the three weeks actually is twenty two days. If you count Tisha B'Av and Shavas Tammuz, the beginning and the end, from end to end, the beginning to end is exactly 22 days. Uh, 22 days where we're not allowed to rejoice. In Parashat Pinehas, actually it has all the holidays of the year mentioned in this week's Parashah. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. If you count all the days of the holidays, it's exactly 22 days. So therefore, there's a good sign. We read Parashat Pinehas in the beginning of the 22 days of trouble to remind us that these days will turn into 22 days of holidays. So that's already the Parashat is giving us an optimistic view, a good, uh, you know, a good positive uh, futurama to what's going to happen. Furthermore, the hero of the Parashat is a tzaddik by the name of Pinehas. Pinehas, if you remember what happened at the end of last week's parashah, and I'll review it quickly for you, is that there was a great tragedy in the city of Shittim. The Jewish people got seduced into committing sins of immorality. Immorality, avodah one thing leads to another, spiraled out of control. And as a result, there was a plague that ensued. I'm going to talk about this plague in a few minutes. 24,000 people died. That's a big plague. And the one that's responsible for stopping the plague is Pinehas. We'll discuss how he did it. But the point is, it says God rewarded Pinehas. And it says, God said, I'm going to give you a covenant of peace. What does this mean, the covenant of peace? A peace treaty. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. What does it mean that God gave him shalom? So there's an unbelievable targum. Targum is the Aramaic interpretation where he says, God makes a vow or swear. He's going to have a peace treaty. What does that mean? He's going to be an angel. Pinehas will turn into an angel. And angels don't die. Measure for measure. 
Pinehas, you stopped the people from dying. You made peace between my nation and myself. Therefore, you will have ultimate peace from the angel of death. You will metamorphosize into an angel and you will live forever. Who did he become? So the Targum comes along and says that he becomes Eliyahu and Nabi. And Eliyahu and Nabi is known for what? And he's going to appear into the world in order to announce and herald the redemption. I know all of you are anticipating the redemption. Take my word, it's very near. And when the redemption comes, Eliyahu and Nabi is the first to come and announce it. Eliyahu actually was Pinehas. Pinehas becomes Eliyahu. And Eliyahu never dies. And therefore we read this Pinehas during this time because it reminds us that even though we're going through three weeks of tragedy, and I'm sorry to tell you the tragedies don't end until Mashiach comes, but we're reminded very early on in the Pinehas that don't worry, Pinehas Eliyahu and Eliyahu Yeteh He's going to come at the end of time. So that's another reason why we read this parasha at this time. It gives us hope that after so many thousands of years, don't worry, the Torah's words are true. Eliyahu Navi will appear. <clears throat> now we get to the depth. I must say that today I'm coming to reveal a great secret. Consider yourselves lucky if you made it here today to the Shi'ud. I consider myself lucky as well. What did he do, Pinehas? The Pasuk says, Pinehas bin Azar bin Aaron Kohen, Heshivit Hamati, Me'al bin Yisrael. What does that mean, Heshivit Hamati? The way I always learned it, God was angry. That's why there was a plague, people were dying. And Pinehas, through his action, was able to take away the anger. That's the way I learned it always. Heshivit Hamati. But am I correct? What does the word Heshiv mean? To return. If I wanted to be technical, Heshivit Hamati sounds like he returned my anger. Now, why would anybody want to return the anger of God? I like the first way. Get rid of the anger. That language bothered me. Anyway, the Pasuk then says, how did he do it? It says, Pinehas saw a perpetrator, a fellow by the name of Zimri. Zimri was a tribal leader of the tribe of Shimon. He was committing an act of immorality in public. Pinehas was a zealot. A zealot is a good thing in the case of Pinehas. And he took a sword and he went with the permission of Moshe Rabbeinu, of course. And he went and he killed Zimri and the perpetrator, the girl that was with him. And at that moment over there, it says in the Pasuk, He did an act of zealousness. Bekano is like a revenge. Rashi says, now listen to Rashi. He took revenge. Bekitspo etaketsef. He got outraged, Bil'am. Ketsef, Ketsef is anger. God says, he got angry, the anger that I should have had. I have no idea what this means, to be honest with you. 
Listen, at least I'm honest. I don't know what she's saying over here. I understand Pinehas got angry. I got that. Of course, he's very angry. To take a sword and kill two people, you have to be angry to do that. You don't do that with a smile. But it was the right thing to do. So God says, the anger of Pinehas was the anger that I should have had. What is that that she mean? So, I'm going to say a tremendous chedush now. This I saw from the Mikubalim. It's a novel way of understanding this pedasha, and it's a great revelation. Pinehas, let's go back, Bil'am, last week's perasha. Bil'am had an intention to go on top of a mountain and curse the Jewish people. Why was he so confident that he'll succeed? That he knows curses? Yes. But he knew something else that only he knew. The pasuk says, Ve'el zo'em bechol yom. That God gets angry every day. The Gemara asks, how long is his anger? Rega. His anger is very, very minimal. Bil'am had a special clock in his brain. He knew exactly the moment Hashem gets angry. So he calculated that if he could get his curse and say it and synchronize it exactly at the time of God's anger with the dirty mouth of Bil'am combined with the time of anger, it's the perfect bomb. That's why they paid him a lot of money because he knew this Information. This is incredible, incredibly dangerous information that he knew. He got on the mountain, he synchronized his watch, he had the atomic clock, and he's counting. Then they're counting like the spaceship. Then nine, eight, four, three, two, one, and he curses. But curses didn't come out of his mouth. Instead, blessings came out of his mouth. And the rabbis tell us that he tried it three, four times. And Bil'am failed miserably. Thank God he failed. I want him to fail. Why? Why did he fail? Did he get the wrong time? Was it daylight saving? They changed the clock? He had the wrong time? The Gemara says, no. He had the right time. But Akadosh Baruch Hu did an unbelievable favor for B'nai Yisrael that week or two that he was doing this. God didn't get angry during those weeks. Amazing. God gets angry every day, except during those weeks when I was cursing. He said, I'm not getting angry these weeks. Therefore, that second of negativity didn't exist. So Bil'am saying, I don't understand it. I got the right time. I have the right words, but I don't feel the Wi-Fi. It has no connection. What happened? God said, I'm not getting angry. So therefore, he saved B'nai Yisrael. God did us a tremendous chesed. I know you know that already. Now watch. Can I ask you a question, ladies? Maybe you know the answer. Why does God have to get angry every day? That's a good question. By the way, I would be happy. No, don't get angry ever. It's almost as if it's saying, God gets angry every day as if he has to get angry. Why do you have to get angry? God's God. I would rather God never get angry. Why does the pursuit say, Be'el zor'em bechol yom? I'm telling you what the Kabbalists say. Is anger, ever, is anger ever good? Normally we say you shouldn't get angry. angry. Angry, Anger is no good. Rage is no good. You have to be even tempered, even keeled. You have to be patient. 
except there's an exception. There's always an exception. The Gemara says that when you're fighting the Yetzirara, le'olam yergiz atzmo, a person in fighting his inclination. We all have inclination. And unfortunately, the inclination tries to bring us to the wrong things. So you cannot deal with the Yetzirara with white gloves. And say, oh, yes, let's negotiate, let's talk. You can't talk like that, the Yetzirara. The Gemara says, Yergiz. Yergiz means you have to be berogiz. Berogiz means you have to be outraged. Not too many things should outrage you. But when the Yetzir, when the inclination tries to seduce us to do wrong, to speak things we're not supposed to, to eat things we're not supposed to, to go to a place we're not supposed to, you have to use anger for the positive. You have to tell the Yetzir, go away from here. Move away from me. You have to be outraged, the Gemara says. You have to be upset. The Zora Kadosh says, that's why God gets angry every single day. Because he has to put a measure of anger in the world so we will be able to fight the Yetzirah. If there was no anger in the world from God, we would never be able to counteract the Yetzirah. So the anger of God actually is a positive thing. God puts a measure of chaos into a small measure, only rega. But that measure we're able to extract from God and use it to fight the Yetzir. So by the way, we have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If we're beating the Yetzir it's because God gave us the strength to be outraged to counteract the Yetzir. Am I clear on what I'm saying? Oh... That's why on the pasuk that talks about God's anger, what is the pasuk? Ve'el zo'em bechol yom. Ladies, I'm going to teach you about Hashem's names. Hashem has many names. Some of the names of God are merciful names. Some of the names of God are names of judgment. I'm going to teach you today the name of God, El, Alif Lamed. Is it mercy or judgment? Has v'shalom. Mercy. El is the highest mercy. The pasuk says, "Vechesed el kol ayom." When you say "Berkat Amazon," what do you say? "Ha'el hazanotanu." God, you are merciful. You give us parnasah. El is mercy. And when it talks about God getting angry, what does it say? "Ve'el zo'em bechol yom." That must be the anger is coming from a good place. It's not coming from a negative place. The anger of God has a positive consequence. It's not coming from judgment at all. The El Zo'em. The El means it's coming from kindness of God. God says, you're lucky that I'm getting angry. Shall I read you the whole Pasuk? We say it every day, the men in the prayers. Hasidav. Let the tzaddikim sing to God. Let them praise God's holy name. And why should they praise him? Why should the Hasidim praise God? You know why you should praise him? Because he gets angry for a second every day. And because of that anger, we have life. The Hasidim have to praise God. That means it's a good thing that he gets angry. The next time you have a desire to speak Lashonara, if, if that should happen, and then all of a sudden, uh, you're able to overcome the test. They say, oh, I have to tell you. Oh, she says, oh, no, I'm not saying. Well, you were going to say something. I, I changed my mind. Where did you get that strength? 
Where did you get that strength to tell the Yetzirah, move away from over here? That's only because God got angry. Because God put that anger in the world, it gives us the koah to tell the Yetzirah, move away from here. So it's a great thing that he gets angry every day. Now you understand the depth? But we didn't say anything yet. We didn't say anything yet, and I'm going to take a sip of water. But Bil'am wanted to use that anger for the bad. He says, I'm going to plug in to the anger and use it for the negative. God said, ha ha Bil'am, what do you think? You're going to beat me? I'm not getting angry that week. Why, why, why? If God didn't get angry that week, what does that mean? That means we don't have the power to fight the Yetzirah. So Bil'am says, I see what God's doing. He's not getting angry. So you know what? Now we can bring the Zonot. Now there's no chance. I could get them this way or I'll get them the other way. I tried to curse them. So God doesn't want to get angry? Beauty. If he doesn't get angry, there's no El Zorim Bechol Yom. If there's no El Zorim Bechol Yom, there's no counteraction against the Yetzirah. So he said, this will work like a shoe. This will be a shoe and it's guaranteed. Bring the Zonot. They don't have the ability to fight it. You see the Rasha he was? He got them coming and going. If he gets angry, I curse. All right, doesn't want to get angry? Bingo. They won't be able to overcome it. You see the rasha that he was? The alternate plan that he had is just as sinister as the original plan. Oh. So what happened? Came and said, called Pinehas. And Pinehas said, if God's not going to get angry, and God's not going to generate this positive anger in the world, then guess what? I'm going to generate it. I'm going to generate the anger that God is supposed to have. And therefore when it says, Pinehas ben Elhazar, ben Arun, hamati. What does it mean, Heshiv? He brought the anger back. By him getting angry, by him having cause, he returned. And now all of a sudden the people said, wait, we feel strong again. We feel strong. They felt that they had the ability to fight again. Who brought this anger? I thought God is not getting angry. Pinehas did it himself. And that's what that she means. When Pinehas had the anger, God said, really that anger was supposed to come from me. But I didn't have anger that week. So Bil'am was able to make a synthetic anger. An anger that was born from earth. Not an anger from Hashem, but it had the same effect. You understand what, 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 what Pinahas' genius was over here? The El Zo'em, Bechol Yom, who did it that day? Pinahas did it. God says, wow. The anger of Pinahas was so strong, it brought the Kowak that Klai Yisrael could overcome the Yisrael. Therefore, Borei Olam says, you're going to get reward. The Pasuk says, Lachen, therefore, pay him, give him reward. Rashi writes on that, pay him, he gets reward. Bedin hu kabel sakhar. He deserves a reward. Bedin hu, meaning he earned it. And I asked a simple question. Of course he earned it. He did a bizvah, he earned it. 
Why, why, why does it say as if it's saying it's a hadush? Pinhashi did a good thing. Bedinhu. It's, 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 it's justice that we should reward him. Of course we reward him. If somebody does something good, you reward him. You have to say it's justice. Justice. What's the justice here? Explanation is the rabbis come along and say that really God does not owe us reward. Technically, why? Because God says, what do you want reward for? Oh, I want reward because I beat the Yetzirah. God says, without me, you, wouldn't, you weren't able to beat him. If it wasn't for me, you weren't able to beat him. So then you want reward for If I didn't get angry, you wouldn't be able to beat him. So therefore, when God gives us reward for our credit, it's really a chesed he's doing out there. It's like, uh, what should I tell you? It's like you help your child on a report. You ever see when the mothers help? They write the whole report. The mother writes the whole report. Okay, put your name on the bottom. He did it over there. The mother should get the reward. We'll give you the, let the kid get the reward. The same thing, I, should say, I, did all, I did it for you. If it wasn't for me getting angry every day, you wouldn't beat the answer. But you know what? Okay, take the credit. But in the case of Pinehas, God says, wait. He really deserves it. I wasn't there. He was able to fight the Yitzhak on his own. Pinehas is the only one that actually earned without any help from, from heaven. So God says, he really deserves it. Now, I don't expect you ladies to fall off your chairs when you hear these Hadushim. But these Hadushim, uh, it changes the whole way of looking at the whole, the whole idea. You're telling me that the anger of God was a good thing, and Pinehas wasn't getting rid of the anger of God, he was actually Heshivat Hamati. And by getting that anger, he gets a reward because he caused Klai Yisrael now to be able to overcome. God says he took my place. Incredible. But here's what I came to discuss now. And this is what bothers me terribly. What bothers me terribly is, I don't like it that Bil'am is outsmarting Hashem. This I don't like. As if Bil'am is, why well, he's more clever than HaKadosh Baruch Hu, has shalom. So ah, God says, I'm not getting angry this week. Ah, you're not getting angry, beauty. That means the Yetzirah, and he got them. So you say to yourself, wow, did he outmaneuver Hashem? God forbid. God forbid. But it looks like that. And I don't like that. That we can even accept for a minute as if you're giving Bil'am a, a certain credit. All the goyim will say, ah, good move. God thought he can get you. He didn't get angry. So you used it against him. He didn't get angry. So you brought the Zonot and bingo, they got the... And also, can I ask you a question? We're giving Pinehas a lot of credit. Pinehas, Pinehas, Azar, Pinehas, Kohen, Heshivet Hamati, Me'al Bnei Yisrael, Velo Chiliti Yit Bnei Yisrael. I didn't destroy Bnei Yisrael as a result. Behold, 24,000 people died. It's not like uh, nobody died. After 24,000 people died, then we say, ah, Borei Lam says, Ma'azakawaruk Pinehas, you saved the day, saved the day, saved the day. I would have liked to say, save the day nobody died. But you tell me after 24,000 people died, the terrible plague. And he said, I didn't destroy them. Well, he came close. There's a lot of people dying. How do we to understand this?
How are we to understand this perasha? This is a novel explanation. The secret is found in this book that I have right over here. Suror Hamor. Why do I love Suror Hamor? This is a great rabbi called Rabbi Abraham Sabah. He was from Spain. One of our great rabbis from Sepharad. And he lived through the Inquisition. And in the expulsion, he went to Portugal. When he got to Portugal, Lisbon, they expelled him from there as well. He went through two different expulsions. And during that time, I don't know how the tzaddikim, he's able to write a book like this, Kutzrod Amor, the most beautiful interpretations on the Torah. How? If you put me in my office at 68 degrees air condition, with coffee unlimited, and waiting service, and beautiful, I cannot write a book like this. And he's running for his life from country to country at the expense of the Inquisition, and under circumstances, he's able to write such sifarim. Where do he get the peace of mind to write such a book? I recommend it. <clears throat> they don't have it in English yet. Sror Hamor on the Torah. I'll be honest with you, most of the secrets that I've been finding these days is in this book over here. He says, what do you think? You think Bil'am's outsmarting God? God always has the last laugh. The last laugh is always from God, no matter how clever, no matter how much uh, machinations you have, no matter how much uh, 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 different types of uh, 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 schemes that you have up your sleeve, you can't trick God. But Allah always has the last laugh. Like it says in Tehidim, Yoshev Bashamayim Yishak. Hashem sits in heaven and laughs. Hashem yilag lamo. Borei Allah makes fun of everything. You can't trick me. What happened? He says right after this story in Parashat Pinehas, right after the story of the plague, what does it say? God says to Moshe, uh, it's time to take a census. Start to count. What's the reason why you have to count? The simple explanation is, well, we just had a plague. So we need to know how many people are, uh, are left. I mean, it's very simple. You know that 24,000 people died. So you put the number on top, simple mathematics. You put on the second line, minus 24,000. Then you put another line underneath. And then whatever that number is, that's how many people you have left. There's no need to take a census. We know the numbers. What's the, what, what, take a census. And if you look at the census, the way they counted the, the tribes, which is beautiful, it starts off like this. We're now going to count the tribe of Reuven. And it gives you all the names of Reuven's families. And then it says, and this, this is the family of Haruveni. It doesn't say Elim Shvat Reuven. It calls him Har Reuveni. And the Gemara says it puts a He in front of the name and a Yud at the end of the name. He Yud, which actually is Yud Ke, which is the name of Hashem. And every tribe, I should say almost every tribe, when it lists them, you want to see another example? Bene Gad, the tribe of God. After it lists all their families, what does it say? It comes along and says, Oh, that's one of the exceptions. 
בני יששכר, אלה משפחות היששכרי. Everyone has a hair and a yud. זבולון, הזבולוני. And the question is, why does it come along and list them all with this hair and yud in their name? And the Gemara says, because God was saying about these tribes, they're all pure. They have my seal of approval on them. These families are pure. There's no intermarriage. There's no assimilation. They're pure families. So therefore, by putting the name hey yud in the suffix and prefix, it comes along and says, these are kasher. And I'm asking a simple question. Why now in Parashat Pinehas, all of a sudden you have to tell me that the families and the Jewish people are kasher. Now all of a sudden you woke up. So this wasn't only a census. It was more than a census. Census, you're just counting the families. This was more like a... Um, you were actually doing a, uh, a clearinghouse to see exactly, are we legitimate or not? This was going to each family. This family, kasher, check. This family, uh, let's check. Kasher. Why, somebody questioned if our families were kosher all of a sudden? Why now did all of a sudden the Torah deem it necessary to start looking at the kashrut of our families? That's the question of the Zohar Amor. You know what he says? He quotes from the Zohar Kadosh. He says, these 24,000 people that died, who were they? Who were they? I wonder who they were. Who are the 24,000? I don't want their names, but who are they? Where'd they come from? Oh, oh, we're not Gilgul. I'm not into Gilgul yet. We're not into Gilgul. Who are they? In present, real time. In real time, who are these 24,000? Oh, Hazakah Beruchah. Now you're talking. The Zohar Kadosh says they really weren't from the families of B'nai Israel. The 24,000 that went into this uh, Znut and Abu Dazara, they were Erev Rav, the Zohar says. Erev Rav means the riffraff. You remember when we came out of Egypt? So we had all our families, and these riffraff people said, we want to join. Of course they want to join. They saw the miracles, they saw the money, they saw the, the, the beauty. Of course they want to join. God told Moshe, listen, whatever you want. I personally, they're trouble. But Moshe Rabbeinu had a good heart, and he accepted them. The biggest mistake. Anytime there was trouble in the Midbar, whose hand is in the pot? Erev Rab. Egel, boom, Erev Rab. And then what they do, the Erev Rab? They're so, they're so tricky. They said, listen, we better assimilate with the people so our families become connected and therefore we get lost with the people. Otherwise, if we're going to have our own uh, you know, group of Erev Rab, we're separate. So they started to intermarry into the people. The Zohar says... Only one tribe accepted them. Ah, you know everything. The tribe of Shimon. I just learned it yesterday. The tribe of Shimon. No problem. I'm happy you know it. I'm happy you know it. The tribe of Shimon. Imagine that. They came to all the other tribes. Erev Rab. No, thank you. We have a shidduk for your son. Ah, beautiful. Where's she from? Erev Rab. Uh, she's not ready yet. Uh, they gave excuse. They tell the Shadchan. Not for us. Not for us. Erev Rab. We don't marry Erev Rab. Shimon, for some reason, his tribe... Open door policy. So all the Erev Rav is marrying into Shimon. So look what he says. Shimon. 
So what did Borei Olam do? Borei Olam says, these guys, they were trouble in everything we did. Egel, who, who was behind the Egel? As a matter of fact, when the Torah tells us about the, uh, the Chet, the Chet of the Egel, the Pasuk comes along and says, Vayigof Hashem Ta'am. It always refers to the Erev Rav, not as B'nai Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael is the koshers, the kosher people. The Am, what's the Am? The bourgeoisie, the, the people, the folk. The Am. So when it says Egel, Vayigof Hashem Ta'am, Asher Asu Ta'egel. Mizeh Am, Erev Rav. So the Pasuk comes along and says, these people also, Vayiyu Hametim Bamagefa. Hold it. It says, Vayiyu Hametim. It calls the people that died, the dead ones. Vayiyu Hametim Bamagefa. No, they're not Metim. They're living and they died in the Magifa. Why does it call them Hametim? It sounds like they were dead already. It says, because Rasha, even when he's alive, is dead. They were dead before they died. These people that died in the Magifa, they were metim before they died. Listen to the language. Not one Jew, a real Jew, died in the Magifa. Only the people of Shimon. Why? They intermarried into that tribe. They converted. Some of them died during the Egel, and the rest of them died at this point over here. And therefore, it's unbelievable. Bore Olam actually was cleaning up the shop over here. Bore Olam was cleaning up Kla Yisrael. These people that died were thorns in the bush. They were thorns in Kla Yisrael. I don't want to say it, but it was actually a good thing. I don't want to say it too loud. That's what I was thinking in my brain. It sounds like a good thing. So I found it. There's a student of the Arizal. He wrote a book called no, not student of the Arizam. There's a Mekubal called the Megale Amukot. Look what he writes. I would not be able to say it, although I was thinking it. Be'inyana Magefa. Haita zul tovatan shel Yisrael. It was a good thing. Why? Kedeshekol erevrav shayubi Yisrael. Safu tamu min balahot. Gone. Destroyed. Finished. Now we cleaned up the shop. Now we have no more riffraff amongst us. And that's why right after the Magifah, God says, now let's count the families of B'nai Israel. Now we have all pure families. Now all the families that we have, there's no more. Har uveni. Everyone has a Shem's name on them. There's no more Erevrav. We weren't only counting the numbers. We came to come along and say, let's see, anybody left? Any thorns left? Did we miss anybody? We made Bidikat Hamed. Did we get all the 10 pieces? Did we forget anybody? No. Now it's B'nai Yisrael. Oh, 
Oh. So the question that we have, obviously, why did they marry into Shimon? Side question. Now, this is considered now some whipped cream I'm going to give you. It's not part of the class, really. He asked me, why did Shimon accept them? Every tribe told them, we'll get back to you. Shimon, Baruch Abba. Why? So the Arizal says that these 24,000 were trying to mainstream themselves. You have to know that. Whenever you have somebody that's questionable, they try to mainstream themselves, they get lost. And they said, oh yeah, we know the father. Who is, it? Who is he? No, he's with us already for 10 years. They try to sneak into the cracks. Do we have another case in history where we see people that were controversial tried to mainstream themselves into the Jewish people? We do. You remember in the time of Shechem, when Dina, the daughter of Yaakov, she went out for a walk and she had an encounter against her will with Shechem ben Hamor, Hamor ben Hamor. This Shechem, he abused Dina. And what happened? He abused Dina. Now she came home, she told her brother Shimon, you know what they did to me? What did they do to you? They abused me, this guy Shechem. Ah, I'll fix them, I'll fix them. He comes to Shechem, he says, hey, what's going on over here? They say, no, 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 we want to we get close to you. You want to get close to us? Brit Milah. Brit Milah. 24,000 men took a Brit Milah, it says. Why? Because they wanted to marry into the Jewish people. What did Shimon do after they took the Brit Milah on the third day? Shimon came, killed them all. Says the Arizal, those 24,000 that Shimon killed, they were the Gilgul of the 24,000 of the Erev Rav. And what? The same Avon. They want to infiltrate again. But this time, Shimon tried to make a tikkun for them. In the first Gilgul, Shimon killed them. Now Shimon said, okay, maybe we make a tikkun. But obviously the tikkun did not work. They came in. That's why they went to Shimon. Because there was a connection between these 24,000 and Shimon already in a previous... Shimon said, we know these guys already. I recognize you already. I know you. I know. Come back. I killed you in a previous Gilgul. But guess what? It happened again. Strike two. Not for today. But Billy Nader will discuss it in another class. There's another time when you hear about 24,000. Very good. 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva. And Arizal says they eventually became them. And then it says the 24,000 students died during the weeks between Pesach and Shavuot. And then it says when it came to Lagba Omer, Paskulamut. What does Paskulamut mean? They stopped dying. I saw one of the rabbis ask a beautiful question. What do you mean Paskulamut? 24,000 people died. As if to say, but it stopped. Yeah. Paskulamut. But after a big price, not the Paskulamut. Paskulamut, you say, okay, two people died, Paskulamut. 24,000 people, Paskulamut. They stopped. Therefore, like, what was a happy day? Well, happy day, what? Look at the tragedy. 24,000 students at Riyakiva. So the rabbis say that when Hashem brings Gilgul, He only brings them three times. So when it says Paskulamut, that's it. They stopped, they didn't have to come back anymore. They came in Shechem, they came in Erev Rav over here. And Rabbi Akiva, after that, Paskulamut. They would not have to die again. That's the depth of Paskulamut. Okay, anyway. 
ladies. I hope so. I don't want to take anybody's olam abba. I don't, I'm not the judge. Let them have olam abba. As long as I get my olam abba, they don't take my chilek. <laughs> doesn't bother me. Let them take olam abba. In any event, oh, so what does the pasuk say? God says, Pini husband, Allah Zawana Kohen, Heshivit Hamati, Metok Bene Yisrael, Velochiliti et Bene Yisrael. God says, He's such a Sadiq. I didn't destroy Bene Yisrael. Hold it. Bene Yisrael didn't do the sin. It was the Erev Rab that did it. So, what is the credit that Pinehas gets? You saved Bene Yisrael. Bene Yisrael was never part of it. You hear my question now? It was the Erev Rab. And ultimately, we're saying it was a great thing. And we always give credit. God was going to destroy everybody. Why to destroy everybody? If Bene Yisrael were not part of the sin, if it was just a, a cleanup of getting rid of the thorns from the bush, what's Bnei Yisrael have to do with it? So here's where the student of the Arizal, his name is the Siftek Kohen. Right over here. Siftek Kohen says, you know what Bnei Yisrael's sin was? Lefi shakadosh baruchu sonezima. Hashem hates immorality. Just look for your own eyes. They were Erev Rav. The Bnei Yisrael did not rebuke them. You understand? When you see somebody making an Avera, you can't just have a uh, uh, blasé attitude. Not my problem. Uh, leave him do, do what he wants. Live and let live. I cannot do it and live and let live. The Torah says when you see somebody doing something wrong and you have the ability to influence them, you have to rebuke them. Just think of your own children. When you rebuke your children, if they're walking in the street in a red light, say, no, I don't, I don't like to rebuke. I don't want to be judgmental. What are you talking about? You have to rebuke. Especially when you're somebody that you know that you have influence over, you see them hurting themselves. Don't you have to rebuke them? B'nai Yisrael for some reason, and I'm going to tell you the reason in a second, you know the reason. They weren't rebuking. So God says, you're not rebuking? So this is called, you're aiding and abetting. You're an accomplice. If somebody knows about a bomb, and he doesn't say, I knew about it, but I don't want to say anything. You're guilty also, what does that mean? Why don't you say something? Now ladies, answer the question. Why didn't the people rebuke? Because there was no anger, there was no yes. There was no anger. So they were making the sin, they weren't rebuking. There was no chaos. So when Pinehas got angry, what happened? He brought the outrage back. Now B'nai Yisrael started to rebuke. They said, what are you doing? Velochiliti in B'nai Yisrael. Because once Pinehas was able to bring the chaos of Hashem back, everything started to fix. But it was too late. So Bil'am thought, if you ask Bil'am, Here's the key now. If you ask Bil'am, how do you judge yourself what you did? He would say, ha ha, look what I did. I got 24,000 of them. But in truth, we come to Bil'am and say, Hazak uh, Baruch, how much do we owe you? <laughs> owe me? Yeah, because we, we didn't know how to get rid of these creepy people. We didn't know how to get rid of them. These people were creepy from when the time we came out of Mitzrayim. We didn't know how to get rid of them. And you did it in one second. You got rid of all of them. You didn't miss one. Hazak, you're unbelievable. You didn't miss one. We counted after 24,000, 
B'nai Yisrael's families are pure, no assimilation, no Erev Rab, no nothing. Hazak Baruch. And I'm scratching his head, hey, how did I do this over here? <laughs> so you remember the question I asked you? You remember I made it like Bil'am outsmarted God? Yeah. Who has the last laugh? And Shemo does it like, yeah, you're going to outsmart me. You're not going to outsmart me. But Olam uses the enemy. Remember, who came last week? If you came to last week's class, this, consider this part two. This is the sequel from last week. If you remember last week's class, we talked about that Hashem is Ehad. In Shema Yisrael, we say, Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Adonai, Ehad. What does it mean God is one? I know the way you learn it. One, he's not two, he's not three. That's easy to understand. Ehad means he's the only power. Nobody has power above God. God has all the power. And nobody can use his power against God. And Borei Olam shows us many times that he'll use our biggest enemies to bring berakat to the Jewish people. What's the classic example? Bil'am. Bil'am is set out to curse us. And what did he end up doing? He blessed us. And does, that, does that not show how powerful God is? Every wedding, we said last week, we get up and say, Rabotai, we are now going to quote Bil'am. Matovu o'alecha Yaakov, Bil'am says, enough quoting me. I hate, hate you people and you're quoting me. <laughs> he's, he's kicking himself in the grave. God says, I'm going to use the enemy that tried to kill you and from him is going to come the blessing. Lavan tried to kill B'nai Yisrael. What did he end up doing? He built us. He gave us four daughters. All the tribes are his grandchildren. But it says, Lavan bikesh la'akorat akol. Yet not only did you kill us, we give you credit for building Klai Yisrael. And he's saying, how did I do that? Which means the exact opposite result that I was intending for happened. Paro tried to kill the Jewish people. One day he came into Paro's palace and said, oh, what's your intention, Paro? I'll kill every last Jew. By the way, that's a cute baby on your lap. Who is he? I don't know, some baby we found him. That's Moshe. <laughs> Moshe's on his lap. <laughs> he's feeding Moshe the applesauce. Open your mouth, open your mouth. He's like, you're trying to kill them. This is the one that's going to kill you and you're raising him. And Hashem's laughing. You think you're in charge, but oh, that's what Hashem Ehad. Hashem Ehad means I control. And I'll show you how powerful I am by using your biggest enemies. I'll use them as a stick, as a tool. Not to bring the world where they want to bring it, but to bring the world where I want to bring it. I will direct the Ashkaha using the one you least expect. Then you see God as one. And another perfect example is the story of Bil'am. You see, once a failure, always a failure. He should have retired after he learned the lesson of Hashem had last week. Instead, what did he do? He said, I'm going to do an alternate plan. If I couldn't curse them, I'll make them sin. So what does he do? He gets sin. You did. He made them sin. But who did you make sin? You made the people that we wanted to get rid of anyway sin. The Rambam writes, my man, this is the Rambam. My man, he says on the Pasuk, Et la'asot l'adonai heferu toratecha. What does it mean? Et la'asot l'Hashem. This is the way Rambam explains it. When there's a need for God or a time for God, when God has business to take care of, Et la'asot l'Hashem. When God has a time, there's a certain moment, heferu toratecha. He'll cause people to break the Torah so we can kill them. Don't ask me how that affects free will. That's for another time. I know you have that. I also have that question. 
But et la'asot, just soak in the Rambam first. Et la'asot la'ashem. God says, I got to get rid of these erev rav. So therefore what? God creates a situation of heferu turatecha. Once they break the Torah, now God says beauty. Now I have a premise to kill them. And who gets the Mishaberach? Bil'am. At the end, we give Mishaberach. Bil'am, we want to give Mishaberach. Why? You're unbelievable. You do a job, Mamash, you swept up. <laughs> you cleaned up the house. Unbelievable. So much so, when we did a count of B'nai Yisrael, nobody. All pure, all tahor. Everyone has a head in yud. You understand? That's why you see in last week's Perashah, You know why I love this time that we're learning? Because we're probably the only ones learning. It's Friday morning, Friday afternoon, nobody learns. My rabbis told me, always find a time where very few people are learning and learn. And you'll get credit for everybody. So this is a time that's a very, very holy time because everybody on Shabbat, Baruch Hashem is learning. In the morning, at night, during the day, but on Friday, everybody's busy. The ladies are busy preparing for Shabbat and the men are either working or they're, whatever they're doing, they're preparing also. So that we come on this holy moments on Erev Shabbat to learn. One time a big rabbi walked in and he saw ladies. Now they're learning. <laughs> they couldn't believe this. In the age of Israel, they would never be able to do such a thing. If you look at the end of the Perashav last week, it says, right when the plague started, people are dying, people are dying. And what were the Jewish people doing? The people were crying. You know why I thought they were crying? There's a plague. But why are they crying? If the Erev Rab is dying, they should have been, uh, I don't want to say, they should have been laughing. Look at the Targum Yonatan bin Uziel. They were crying, but what were they doing crying? They were reading Shema. You ever go to the Tzadikim and they read Shema? Shema! Yisrael! They were saying like they're crying. What, was, was it the time of Shema? Explanation is when they saw the Erev Rab dying. And they saw Bil'am trying to curse us. They said, look, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem, Ehad. Look, God is one. He's not able to get us. They saw the oneness of God at this moment. This was a revelation moment. They saw, look at the Shema'ad. He tried to curse us. It didn't work. Now he's trying to kill us. Look, we killed. He didn't kill one of us. Not one. Pinehas heard them reading the Shema. Pinehas said, now I'm going to stop the Magifa. They realized that Hashem is, is one. That Hashem guides the Hashkaha. So the Pasuk says, What's a Romah? A spear. So, now ladies, with all due respect, do I need to know the weapon that he used? It should say he killed them. Romah or a revolver or a club or a baseball bat or a crowbar. What's the difference? And the Zohar Kador says, because when he heard them saying Shema, how many words are in the Shema that we say every day? 
There's 248 words in the Shema, which is the Otiot Romah, Resh Memchet is 248. Romah. When he heard the Kiryat Shema, he said, now I'm going to show them what does it mean, the Romah, the Kiryat Shema, B'nai Israel. Look how Hashem is Echad. This Bil'am thinks he gave us bad advice. But Yawadam says, actually it was good. Actually it was good. We're going to go kill all the riffraff, all the kotzim, all the erev rav. I, B'nai Israel, you're guilty. You didn't rebuke, but we'll fix that also. So he took the strength of the Romah. In conclusion, in conclusion, so God says to Pinehas, Pinehas, you're going to be Eliyahu Navi. I told you in the beginning of the Shi'ur that one of the functions of Eliyahu Navi is to announce the coming of the Mashiach. It's true. I don't change that. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't change that opinion. But Eliyahu Navi has another function. As it says here in the Mishnah, at the end of Eduyot. There's a lot of families after 2,000 years in exile, we don't know the legality of the families. We don't know who the people are anymore. God forbid, over 2,000 years, families can become compromised. If a mamzer, God forbid, ends up infiltrating a family, that means the family, although we think they're kosher, they might not be. And the reverse is also. Families that we might think that are not, maybe, but we don't have the DNA, we don't have a way to test them. Eliyahu one of the main things he's going to do, it says in the Mishnah, he's going to come along and go to the families of Klai Yisrael. And he's going to be able to sift who the real Jews are, and who the Jews that think they're Jews, but are not Jews. Oh, you have nothing to worry. Everybody present is, gonna, is fine. Don't worry about that. Don't, oh no, I'm dead. They're going to get me. They're going to catch me. They're not going to catch me. Don't be nervous. <laughs> Anybody in our community that's here with us, when we make the Misha Berach on Shabbat, we say, kal kadosh. It's kal kadosh. It's the holy congregation. Excluding everybody that's present. Of course, not talking about us. I'm talking about the Jews that lose themselves and they get involved. So even though they have a, a, a Jewish name, they might not be, the guy's name is Cohen. He's not Jewish because of the assimilation. But how do we know? We don't know. So the Gemara, the Mishnah says, Eliyahu Those that are close, he's going to push them away maybe. And those that are pushed away, he's going to bring them. And the, the Ben Obadiah says, those shakul ma'azikim otam pesulim, people that think that this family is pasul, yitkarevu otam. Ava mishpechot shinitmea ma'amad shinonoda pesula, yenichenu bekashruta. Certain families are going to say, leave them, they're okay. Certain families are going to push. Basically, Eliyahu Arabi is going to become the clearinghouse. And now we understand why Pinehas got that reward. Because as a result of what Pinehas did, it happened in his time. B'nai Yisrael became purified from the Eid of Rav. And therefore, Eliyahu and Nabi, which you, you started the job. When you were Pinehas, you got rid of the Eid of Rav. The 24,000 died, you were involved in that story. You're going to finish that job as well. When Mashiach comes, you're going to make the final tikkun of getting rid of all the Erev Rav, 
all those that have infiltrated and removed them. And the lesson to us over here, which to me is the main takeaway of this derash, you can't outsmart a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Bil'am, you thought you had a good idea. No, it seems like getting angry. Beautiful. Now they're susceptible to every sin. Bring the zonot, they'll fall. You're absolutely right. And they fell. Baruch fell. People that God wanted to fall in the first place. People that we were struggling with them from the time of the Egel and the Meragelim and the Metoninim and all them. And now after Bil'am finished his trick, the trick was on him. We said to Bil'am, because of you, we have Kal Kadosh. And therefore we're going to make now a census, not only to count how many people, but to count the quality of the people. To count B'nai Yisrael. You got rid of the Am. The Am is not part of us anyway. And therefore, Bil'am strikes out twice. He failed in his curses, Hashem Ehad. And he failed in his inyan of the Znut, Hashem Ehad. Like the Surah said, Velo nafal ehad b'bnei Yisrael. And like the Megaleh Amukot said, Veze hayal letovat b'nei Yisrael. In order to remove the kotzim, menam, b'bnei Yisrael. And therefore, the Jewish people, when they were involved in it, the reaction was, Vehema bochim, bochim wat? Vekorim kiriyat shema. Because it was a moment that they saw the oneness of God. Where they saw no matter how smart and how influential, how powerful you are, ultimately, Borei Olam even will use you, the biggest anti-Semite, to make a tikkun that the last one that wanted to make this tikkun was Bil'am. Trust me, he, he'd pay millions of dollars not to make this tikkun for us. But God says, you don't run the world. And he echad. And that's what's going to happen when Mashiach comes with Hashem. Borei is going to show us that everything that happened in this world, where we thought was not for the benefit of the Jews, all these things that are happening is only to bring the ultimate tikkun for the Jews. As the Pasuk says, Everybody was green then. There were no Jews really. Before Matan Torah, so okay. it's not really Jews. But Shimon is one of the Shabbat. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, he's uh, B'nai Yisrael, uh, but, yeah, but it's not Jewish, really. It's, it's, it's a separate family. So they were not Jewish when they were Shabbat. They said, they Jewish until Matan Torah. But they are B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael. Yeah, that's true. And the other are not. So right. they came back as Ayyad in the time of Pinahas. But how did they come back again? We don't want to say that you could pay a price. <laughs> Yeah, that you should pay a price and come back. But the Goyim, okay, you learn. No, obviously you have to say these were special Hashem. That's why, 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 otherwise ask yourself, why did Moshe want to bring them? Hashem told them, because Moshe saw that big Neshama. He saw, he, he saw, 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 he saw,
These are sometimes the shamut get lost in different places. Every dot, every dot, every word is so sweet, so sweet. Thank you.